When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. What's up, y'all? This your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, every time I step in the bank. You can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change Cause every action got a consequence, consider your ways Hardest thing to do in life is elevate to your pain I can relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face Giving effort but results just keep remaining the same Ask the patience for yourself, shit ain't as bad as you claim I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain It's all about perspective Killing, catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been busting, and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressing. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Mill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bella, one-fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking out my brothers. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. I'm feeling great on this Saturday. We just had an amazing episode. We're about to get into another episode. I just want y'all to know these brothers on here, they some heavyweights. Like, when I say heavyweights, I'm talking about, like, titans and shit. Like, this is about to be a great episode again, bro. So my energy is crazy right now. I'm good. Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here, checking in, checking in. Feeling good on this lovely Saturday. Again, going back to back, you know. Feeling, feeling like good, Drake. Feeling... I'm saying, man, this is some great podcast. It's about to be a real estate podcast, apparently, but it's awesome, man. What are you doing over there, Jared? Hey, man, I'm feeling good, feeling refreshed. You know, I got my respire on deck. <laughs> and, then, man, I'm feeling great, man. Ready to get into this episode, like. We just got through talking to somebody, you know, like y'all said, real estate wise, 
a lot of units. We're about to get into another podcast. This man is talking about multiple units as well as overseas units. So, like, we really got to get into this one. This is about to be crazy. This brother is too crushing, bro. Like, nah, yeah, bro. I can't even go on the laundry list of his accomplishments and stuff like that. But before I introduce the good brother that we about to have on, yeah. real quick, want to ask everybody to like, subscribe, rate, and comment on this platform. Always, it helps us grow. Just mm-hmm. continue to share the show and all that good stuff. But with that said, yes, I guess today. So as my brother Jared was kind of getting that, this brother is pressure, man. He's a real estate investor, serial entrepreneur, world traveler, just all around boss. I check killing the game, Mr. Maurice Bailagine. How you doing, Maurice? <laughs> I'm good, man. I appreciate that. Did I butcher your last here. name? No, you got it. Philogene. Right, cool, cool, cool. You cool. got it. You got it. Hey, man, I ain't going to lie. I don't know how you always do it, but hey, he man. do it. <laughs> I French when I was a kid. You know, whenever you, whenever you speak them multiple languages, it expands your mind. <laughs> I just want you to know he's like the last name man. He only messed up one that I know of. I butchered so bad. <laughs> but welcome to the show, Maurice. We appreciate you taking your Saturday out to come kick it with us. And just for those who don't know, we just alluded to like some of the things that you do in real estate. But sure. can you just give us like a brief background of how did you even get to that? Like what took that and what really just inspired you to take those steps? Yeah, I listen, fellas, I appreciate it. Anytime I can get on a platform where I can maybe spit some wisdom that helps people out. I'm super grateful for what you guys have built, first and foremost. So thank you for allowing me on. So again, my name is Maurice. I go by Mo. I am born in New York, raised in Boston, live in D.C. I come from an immigrant family, a Haitian immigrant family. But when we alluded to the real estate, I want to be clear. Real estate is one sliver of my life. It is not my life. And I think that's really important for people so you don't get defined by what you do. From a professional perspective, I call myself a freedom fighter because everything I've done over the years has been about my freedom. I wasn't interested in sitting behind the desk nine to five for the rest of my life. But professionally, I'm a 24-year senior executive at a global consulting firm. I just retired out of the military after 22 years as a lieutenant colonel and a federal agent. Think NCIS, but the version of it in the Air Force, which is called OSI. To give back to the local community, I became a street cop in 2008 in DC. I'm still doing that, it's a long story. And then what you guys were alluding to, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I own a bunch of restaurants in DC. I started in real estate when I was 21 as a means to get financial which I earned in 2014. That was all single family. And because I wasn't getting challenged anymore, I switched to multifamily and I've done maybe 20 or 25 deals since then well over a thousand units, give or take, but units doesn't matter. It's what the cash flow does for your life. Mm. And what it does for my life is give me the freedom and flexibility to do the things that I want to do. Mm. That's powerful. pressure. That is a freedom fighter. And I really like what you said earlier, that little gym in there about not allowing the things that you do to define you all the way. Right on. Yeah, that's a powerful thing. So I guess we can start right from the beginning. Like, yeah, you have a lot of different ventures. What was the first? Ah, listen, it was real estate. My family gave me education, so that's good. But the money blueprint was save, 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 save for a rainy day kind of thing. But when I graduated out of University of Virginia, I played ball there and I thought I was going to make it to the NFL like we all do. I tried out. That didn't work out. So I started working for this consulting firm and right away for the military. So I've had both the entire time. But the moment I got a taste of corporate America, and obviously I'm still there, so there's Mm -hmm. something good about it. But the moment I got a taste of it, I knew that that's not the only thing that I wanted to do. I happened to pick up the book, Personal Finance for Dummies, if you remember that, right? Simple book 
$3 and some change when I was up in Queens doing something and I had this passage on it about passive income. And I quickly figured out that if you can generate more passive income than you have expenses, then you can be free. Free meaning your time is free, right? We don't have to go to work if we don't want to, those types of things. So beginning of the real estate boom in the 2000s, I bought a place to live. That was 2002. Three months later, it was worth 30 grand more. Called my pops. Pops said, hey, man, you just made 30 grand in equity. I went to the library the next day. We didn't have no Google back then. None of that (laughs) stuff existed. But I literally, just like y'all right now, I had a bottle of water. I sat down at a library table and I read nine or 10 books in one day in one sitting without leaving. Because I was stunned that I made somebody's salary without doing anything. And then by the end of the year, I had bought 10 more properties. And I was 24 years old. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Time out. I gotta, (laughs) I gotta rewind this. You said you bought 10 more that same year? The same year, yeah. I was 21 years old. I was 23, 24 is, is what I was. Wow. Damn. So walk us through that process. How did that work? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know why I'm saying that? Because the type of person I am is like, fall forward. You just figure it out. I had a broker who, I just called this lady. She was a broker. She was in her late 60s, early 70s. So I don't think she's with us today anymore. But she said, hey, Maurice, if you want to buy stuff, don't get the big thing get like a dozen little things. And I just followed what she said. And here's what I did. I bought one condo. I bought another condo. I took my money from the consulting firm, money from military, cash flow from condo number one. And I bought condo number three. I bought condo number four. And I just pressed repeat. And my thought process over the years was, if I can just pay these bad boys off, I'm going to have something. And it took me from 2003 to 2014, I got up to 35 single family homes. A lot of them had equity, so I sold a bunch of them. But instead of doing something stupid and buying 10 cars, what I did was I paid off all the other ones. So I systematically paid them off over the years to the point where I had six figures and more money coming in from real estate than I did from my job. But the best thing I ever did was not quit the job because now what I was doing was taking my six figure salary from my firm six figures from the properties and just pressing repeat, not changing my lifestyle, but just buying more and more and more assets. So I just found a mortgage broker who was like, yeah, man, we're going to fund this stuff for you. And I just never stopped. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ever, at all, at all, and it's been going ever since. That is pretty hard. And like, even around the time that you're investing, you're investing pre-housing bubble, pre-housing crash. So, oh yeah, what was that landscape like investing around that time? I know you got stated income and all. So, was it pretty easy for you to kind of get into the real estate industry at that time? It, It was, and picked up books and just did what the books said. That's it. I got no special anything to tell you, except I could do stated income, although I had salary. They were printing money back then. You could get loans like nobody's business. So there were times when I would have like five loan applications going at one time. And I was cool with it. I did get myself into a little bit of trouble in 2008 to 2010 because the bust happened, right? Yeah, I wanted to get into that. Yep. Well, a lot of my peers and my boys had to back out and some of them filed bankruptcy. I refused. 
So what I did was negotiate with, because look, half of my tenancy stopped paying. Half of mm. them. That crushed yeah. me. Fortunately, I had reserves, but I burned through them in about two years. This is the time that I was telling you that I became a police officer as well. I never spoke about it back then. I never told anybody. But when I joined the police department locally here, I still kept my consulting gig and did the two jobs full time, just never told anybody for four years. And then I used that income to kind of make ends meet to get through the crisis. It worked. I busted through and then things got a lot better. But there was a little bit of like entrepreneurial depression that kicked in, man, because I lost my 20s. I was always doing like painting something, cleaning something up, moving somebody in, going to court, tenant stuff. I didn't really have my 20s. And then the bus came and that really, really got me down. Mm. But I made it through and I'm on the other side of it. And that led to other ventures, better relationships, better understanding of what I needed from a freedom perspective. I wouldn't change it, but it was hell, to be honest, for those years. And I don't think we've ever really just talked to anybody who was like invested, invested, Around that time, uh, we well, somebody else had got crushed. Can't remember who I think it was Chris. Chris was messing with options around that time. I don't think Chris was heavy real estate around that time, though. Mm. But I say that to say because it's interesting because I was young whenever this was happening. Like I remember it, but I don't really remember it. So to hear you say, you know, I worked my ass off my 20s, and a lot of times, even right now, you know. We'll even say, you know what, just go hard, really invest in yourself, your time and everything during your 20s so you can live the life that you want to live. And you you done everything that you're supposed to do. And then you got hit with that. And I'm glad that you didn't allow it to crush you, though, because you was just like, you know what, I'm gonna get this second job and I'm gonna make it work. But what was that like whenever they first stopped paying that? Like, what, what was the whole climate like? Like, how did you even process this? It felt like the world was coming to an end. It was weird, man, because imagine you put six solid years of weekends in and all of a sudden everything that you work for is it might be taken away from you. I was just unwilling, you know, doing the corporate stuff during the day and the police work at night. I barely slept. I'm a midnight officer. So I would get home 630, get the kids ready for school or my one kid at the time, sleep for an hour, pop up, go to the office deal with clients, go out to my car at lunch, sleep in the car for an hour, hour and a half, get up, go back to work, come home, pick up the kids, homework, dinner, sleep for two hours, go to police work. I wanted it that bad. I'm glad I did it. I can't believe I did it looking back on it. But if you were younger during those years, there were a lot of people who lost their entire nugget, right? Like retirement savings, investment portfolios, all that stuff. I certainly lost a bunch of properties and negotiated some short sales and things of that nature, but I never gave up on the ultimate dream, which was freedom. Mm -hmm. I always had a purpose, man. And when you're purpose driven, you're going to get where you need to go. It wasn't about money. It was about freedom. It was about the ability to do what I wanted to do when I want to do it. And here I'm sitting 45. I'm in total control of my life now. So Maurice, you mentioned earlier with the 10 properties that you did acquire prior to before all that. With that, you said... You were just using the cash flow. Did you uh, use the Burr method? Was that not popularized at that time with any of those? I didn't know about the Burr method. I was de facto doing that, like going from condo to condo, but I didn't realize that that's what was going on. The reason I did is because I could get the single family primary homeowner loan, Mm -hmm. stayed there for a year and bounced, 
right? And I may have stayed for like six months, eight months. You know, you do what you, you do what you got to do. And then people not come and check to see if you live in there as long as you're paying that mortgage. No, no. The catalyst was there was a time during that space where you could buy a new construction condo, put a reservation. The condo was like 200 grand. You put $25,000 down. And then by the time the condo was built, 18 months later, it was worth 350 or 400. Wow. DC was going that crazy. So I did four or five of those, sold them, but I made the right choice. I used that money to pay off the other ones. Mm -hmm. Now I could have taken that money and gone and done bigger and better, but here was my philosophy and it's still my philosophy to this day. Secure your freedom first, then build from there. Everybody chasing everything. What you need to be chasing is how much passive income you need to cover your daily expenses. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, base level stuff. What do you got to do to pay the mortgage, pay the car payment, take care of the fam, all that type of stuff. If you need $4,000 or $5,000 a month, secure that. Do everything you got to do to get that. Then you can build from there. And sky's the limit because then you are in total control of your daily life and you can take risk with everything else. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what's happened in the past six years. Mm -hmm. That's a gem. You spoke on owning some restaurants. How did you get into those? My frat brother, I'm a Q, I'm an Omega Sci-Fi. And one of my frat brothers is a very social guy in DC. And he was doing it. And he explained something to me that is very powerful. You guys know this, right? Attention is currency. It was not about money. What he told me was, listen, you can passively invest in restaurants and clubs. So I had a few. That will allow you to have credibility in a space that you don't have. You can bring your investors there. You can make a name for yourself. There are guys who invest in my deals now. They're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but they're not in the restaurant scene. So if we do something together and I say, hey, come on over to the restaurant, that's a different level of credibility. So what my boy was telling me was, it's not necessarily financial investing as much as it is social investing. And mm -hmm. I listened to him and it has paid off. And I've gotten involved in more restaurants and like backing other entrepreneurs at this point. But that's why I got involved in that. So it was more so like a silent investor, like they needed some capital to get the thing going and you just came in on the deal. That's right. That's right. And then I'll own like a minority share. And I don't know if y'all remember the TV show Cheers from back in the day when Big Norm would walk in. Man, that's 80s. But when Norm would walk in, everybody would call his name. I always wanted kind of like that setup. So there's two places I go in D.C. when I show up. They're like, oh, man, Maurice, you're back. You know, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of why I went into that. That's smart, though. Like yeah, you said, you get your you money get, to work. But like he said, he gets credibility in a scene that you might not have been a person that was going out or whatever. But now yeah. I walk in. I own part of this. Like the lie could be jumping. Right <laughs> outside. I'm not waiting in no lie. I'm walking up to the door because I own part of this. Yeah. Let me in. Yeah. Let me get my section in my bottle and we're going to do yeah. whatever we're going to do. Exactly. Like, I think that's really then, smart. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then, like you say, you get to cater to your different clientele. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you might be able to take somebody to a restaurant, but then another client might, you know, to get that deal closed, they want to go out. They would have type they like to party or whatever, you know. So it's really cool that you were able to invest and diversify, but at the same time, make it to where you were able to, like, satisfy your other needs with your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different now. Now, for example, I back two women entrepreneurs who are opening like a upscale restaurant where you could take your kids. I still am a single dad. I have an eight-year-old, but let's say when he was five, bringing him to Teddy and the Bully Bar, one of my spots in DC, he was just sitting at a table with his iPad. And I hated that. I really hated that. But I'm not the type of dad who's going to go to like 
jamboree and stuff like that, right? So I'll I'll people on other concepts, but that's how all the restaurant stuff happened. I've made some money from it, but it was really to get into other circles mm. because as you guys know, everything that we do and happiness in life from my perspective comes from new relationships and being around people who know bigger and better than you. Mm. I think that's really powerful too. And I guess from previous, he was just actually just talking about that as well. Like just the circles and like who you're associating yeah, with yeah. and how it could level you up. Because at the same time, you can have two of the minority owners there. Like they might have this clientele that they're working on this. And now you getting business deals done once again, just because you made yourself a part of this ecosystem. Yeah. I coach people now, like executives and stuff on how to exit the nine to five and what have you. And my premise is, my platform is freedom principles, financial freedom, time freedom, geographic freedom, freedom of purpose, being purpose-driven. Like I didn't go be a police officer just to make the money. I actually wanted to give back to my local community. Making 40 grand a year is not a lot of money, right? So there has to be some purpose behind that. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest one is freedom of relationships. Anything that stops you, I'm not talking about networking, that's different. Anything that stops you from engaging people outside of your normal circles, that's a problem and you should extract it from your life. And I mean it like this, if you're in a toxic relationship and I'm talking about marriages and boyfriends and girlfriends and all that, and it's not allowing you to go meet new and diverse people from different parts of the world or different parts of the country or whatever, cut it off or fix it. Let's say three weeks ago, I was with my buddy Maher. He's a Lebanese winemaker and I was at his winery in Northern Lebanon. I have learned outrageous things from him, just his mindset, how he did what he did and created this niche brand called Set, the number seven in French. I am constantly seeking out new relationships and things that I don't know because I have freedom to go do that. So if fellas are holding me back, man, you always doing that, man. You should just hang out with us constantly, only us. No. You got a problem, dude. We got a problem. You will not grow. I love my circle. And my circle is my backing, but I need to continue to grow as a person. So that freedom of relationship thing is something that I always try and put out there. You have got to go meet people who are doing things bigger and better than you. And I'm not talking about from a money perspective. I'm talking about whatever it is that drives your happiness. Mm -hmm. Find those people and get into their circles, give them value, learn from them. And then your life is going to take a different turn. That's so real, bro. Cause like, we always talk about it like that, that when they had the top five, your circle on your phone, like those yeah. people you spend your time with, that's who you become. And if you're spending your time with people who hateful and being weird about you hanging out with other people, you're going to start having some weird tendencies and things of that nature. And it's going to limit your perspective. So. Yeah. I would have to say that's been the number one degree to any level of success that I've had, even in the large scale multifamily that I'm doing now. It's because I went to conferences, networked with people, sponsored people on deals. Then we decided to start a company. We're on pace to do 100 million in acquisitions this year. That would have never happened. Uh-oh, I feel like I'm about to get something. <laughs> that would have never happened had I not like sought out new people, new things. And like I have my own strengths, but then you get around people who have their own strengths and you mesh them. And the stuff that you can do together is crazy, outrageous. I would have never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now, but that's just because I sought out other people who were better than me in certain things. I got you. So, Mo, kind of you just touched on the, the multifamily unit. Can we get into that some? Like the multifamily acquisition? What first, what inspired you to move on from 
the single families to the multifamilies? And then can we get into kind of how that whole process has been? Yeah, it was because in 2014, I looked up one day, I was making more money from real estate passively than I was making from my employer. And this is how you start to realize that life is not just about money. It ain't. If life was just about money, Robin Williams and some other people would still be alive, right? Because they had hundreds of millions of dollars, but they were miserable. Even though I had enough money to live on, I just wasn't challenged anymore. I decided to go to a seminar on multifamily. I walked in, you know how they do the pitch and all that stuff. It took me about seven minutes. I walked out and I plumped money down for the next one and hired a mentor. It took me two or three years to get over some limiting beliefs. Like every time I ran into a roadblock, my mind took me back to single family. So I was like, oh man, I was doing that okay. But finally, when I broke through, I invested in someone's deal, actually in Texas, in Tyler, Texas. It was a 104 unit, $4.5 million purchase. They actually sold it in 18 months at 6.2 million. So my hundred turned into about 230. And I did my first deal on my own, two mobile home parks, one in Pennsylvania, one in West Virginia. And then I did a multifamily deal on my own, sponsored two people. And then I started something in January of 2020 called Quattro Capital with some other partners. That's because I donated five grand to someone's charity. We became friends. This is what I'm telling you. We became friends because I donated money to her charity. Six months later, she called me to sponsor her on a multifamily deal. That deal went awesome. It was a 36 unit in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're just way better together. And since January of 2020, as of two days ago, we closed on 128 unit. We've done 11 deals in 15 months. Closed on 11 deals in 15 months. It's crazy, but it's only crazy because you don't think you have that capability until you get around the right people. You get the right mentor. We hired a business coach and it's just been off to the races. So typical syndications, add value, B and C class and B and C class areas, and then raising funds from private investors, sometimes institutional. It's May 29th. By July 31st, we have five more complexes that we got to close down on. So it's been a ride. Damn. You know something I really, really appreciate from that story? You said you donated $5,000? Yeah. And then you turn around and you make way more than that over the course of those next few months between the deals. Like, gifts to the giver, man. Exactly. Like, and so many people would be like, oh, man, you know, $5,000, that's a lot to donate, man. I don't want to give that up. But it's like that 5,000 created a relationship for you that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise that paid you so much more. 100%. And you keep hearing that about, look, the more you give, the more you receive. It's true. But I'll take you back to my original statement of securing your basic needs. Remember Mm -hmm. I said that? Mm -hmm. None of this money I'm making is mine. I already have enough to live off of. So what's happening is it either belongs to society or it belongs to my family's legacy at this point, Mm. which is also justification for what I was telling you about being purpose-driven. Anything that I'm doing at this point So my two boys, when they are ready to kind of take over the helm, continue this thing about the Philogene family coming from Haiti and poverty and creating something in this country and in other places. So of course, I'm going to donate to people. That's not my money. That's society's money. And I'm going to try and do something good with it. And I know that sounds a little bit like a commercial, but nah, man, if you have communities that care about you, that means you're doing something good for them. You know what I mean? So whether it's donating money or you guys heard, I told you I was spending time in Lebanon. There was a blast that happened there on August 4th of last year. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. 
my birthday is August 3rd. I was supposed to be there, but I was stuck at a closing in Tennessee. When that happened, a lot of my friends were affected. So I took about seven days, raised the equivalent of 20 grand, went over there on August 11th, converted the money on the black market to about 85,000 worth of buying power, and then started helping people on the ground. Like to have the ability to do stuff like that real quick. You know how many friends I have? And I didn't do it to have friends, but you just know you're doing the right thing when you're helping people genuinely. And that's what this real estate and hustle is about now is like, how many people can I impact? How can I impact my family? How can I give someone here information somewhere, especially black folk? Like I want more of me doing what I'm doing. And then I want someone like me above me to pull me up so I can do what they're doing. A guy just offered if I would be like on his advisory board for his investment fund. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm going to go learn. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be helping people. So back to the charity question, that's why. Because my basic needs were secure, are secure. And I'm trying to do bigger and better and get the word out that we don't have to sit back and let life happen to us. Mm. And I kind of want to ask, you mentioned you were sponsoring people. Could you kind of explain what does that mean to sponsor someone? Is it the same thing as invested? Like, what does it mean to sponsor? Yeah, someone? that's it. Thank you for asking that question, because I sponsor a lot of non-minorities. That is a problem. It's a problem. Sponsoring in the multifamily game means you have the net worth, liquidity and experience to allow a financial institution to give you the money for a deal. So, for example, the deal that I just closed last Thursday 128 units, 8.5 million purchase price, although the place is worth 11 million. We just did good on the negotiation. The person who brought the deal to us based on a relationship, I sponsored him. Mm -hmm. I have the net worth equal to or more than the property, the experience doing this stuff and the liquidity because you have to have about a year's worth of mortgage payments sitting in something liquid. Mm -hmm. That means Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae or some private entity will drop me the $7 million loan, and then I'll go raise the rest from investors, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll make a challenge to, to you guys and to your listeners. If somebody is listening to this and they've done two or three multifamily deals and they have the basic concepts down, I am looking for people to sponsor who are people of color. I was fortunate to be on the Black Real Estate Dialogue. Shout out to my brother Sam. Out. Yeah, I love that dude. I put that challenge out. I got... One person, one person said, listen, can you help me? I don't have all this experience, but here's what I do have. And I'm working with them now on their first deal. I cannot believe that if someone puts out a challenge like that and people are trying to get into the game, whatever the game means for them, right? Mm -hmm. They don't jump in. But anyways, so that's what sponsoring means is giving someone the ability to get it. Obviously, I get a cut of the deal. Yeah. They also get a cut of the deal and a very healthy acquisition fee up front that's usually close the deal. It's in the six figures of getting a check normally. So it's kind of like co-signing almost in a sense, but not the yeah. same. You're exactly right. It is kind of like co-signing, except for they may or may not sign the paper mm -hmm. for it. And it's non-recourse. So in like single family where we are responsible comes on our credit in the multifamily space, rules of the rich that none of us were ever taught when we were growing up. In a multifamily space, these loans are non-recourse. They cannot come back to get you personally. They oh, will secure the property. They'll take the property mm -hmm. from you. But if something negative happens, that's not going on your credit. Uh, they just take the asset back. They just take the asset that's back. 
When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. That's crazy. So, question. So, whenever you're sponsoring them, do they have to have some type of form of down payment? Like, what is the requirement for the sponsee? No, because I cover everything. Now, I might require them, like, look, I need you to have the upfront earnest money, the money to deal with the upfront attorneys and things of that nature. So maybe they have 40 grand. If they don't have it, I have the money to cover those types of things. But that's why you need a sponsor, someone who has the experience to Mm -hmm. understand one, getting the deal is one thing and closing the deal is a second thing. Uh, But third, you got to know how to run. It's called asset management. You have to know how to run the property after the fact, because the money and the returns for investors comes as you operate it, doing it very well. Right. And then you sell it five years later, a cash out refi or what have you. So, yeah, it's almost like co-signing, but not in the sense of what you're saying from a single family perspective. So if I go find 102 unit somewhere in Louisiana and the number's right, I'll be like, yo, Maurice, I got this deal, homie. In general, yeah. But you also have to be willing to put up, do the work, diligence, Mm -hmm. feet on the ground, follow our, for Quattro Capital, we have our own set standards of what we do and how we do it following our methodology. But effectively, yeah, because the more I help you get a deal, the more you will go out and find more deals, build your wealth, but that also my wealth at the same time. Everybody wins, including the residents, because I'm not the type of landlord to run the rent up so much that residents have a tough time. I will raise rents with respect to how much value I put into the property from renovations and things of that nature. But I want everybody that I touch from a business perspective to win, to include the residents that live in my complexes. Mm, This is so dope. So I kind (laughs) of want to get into your criteria now, whenever you're looking for some of these deals. So is there like certain neighborhoods that you're investing in? Do you want something that's, you know, ugly, kind of beat up? Or what's some of the things that you're looking for whenever you're saying, you know what, this is something that I would like to go with. I'll pull a trigger on it. With single family, you can do that. You can be like, listen, I'm going to work on something ugly. I'm going to build it up and da-da-da, and I'm going to be able to sell it right here. Multifamily doesn't really work like that. Mm. You have to know the market because everything about multifamily is people's ability to pay rent. People's ability to pay rent comes from jobs. jobs. Okay, so because if jobs are declining pay. in that area or if they're not good enough, that's not something that I'm interested in. So the deal that I just closed now in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Chattanooga, goodness, there are a ton of major employers in the area. Chattanooga is the first city with gigabyte capability in the United States. And rent over rent increase is something like 12% year over year for the past five years. There's a lot of things that we study on a quarterly basis to make sure that that's the market that we want to get into. Okay. Right now I'm in Tennessee, Georgia, specifically Atlanta and Decatur and up in Dalton, Georgia in the north, because there are market indicators that are telling me that I'm going to be able to buy this at 8 million. And when I look to sell it or cash out refi it in five years, it's going to be worth 12 and a half, 13, 14 or 15 million. That's the studying that people don't do. 
Mm. They just go out and buy a property without understanding the nuances in the back, but that's okay. That's why you get a sponsor. That's Mm. why you get somebody who has already done this stuff and has figured it out. Yeah, that's how you make it happen. And I'm willing to put in the work with certain people. We have someone right now on our team, Christy. She hadn't closed a deal in two years. We met, we became friends. She's on her fourth deal in six months with us. Fourth Mm. deal. And she's pocketed probably close to, well, I won't give her exact figure, but below 500, but above 200 in fees in six months. She knows how to run it on her own. But as she's getting bigger, her next deal is 25 million. She needs people who can sponsor that. So we'll sponsor it for her because you got to have the net worth to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I just need people of color to jump on too. Hey, that, that's, hey look, that's I'm, a hell I'm of a call to action y'all right there. Yeah. <laughs> y'all out here. Listeners. <laughs> I know some of y'all invest in this real estate. I know a couple (laughs) of y'all got multi-family properties. I'm going to look at the camera right here. Look, I need you to hit this man up. I'll find you some type of sponsor. And if you have done this before, give back to the community and sponsor somebody. And I want to like, just for a little second of the show, I want to like really highlight that because according to the internet, people like Maurice are like unicorns. You don't exist. You are literally helping people out. You donating money. You're helping people out. You're helping them get started. You're doing everything. Like you're meeting people where they at. They don't even have to have all the requirements. You're literally getting people on the way to get started and still helping people at the same time. And you don't have to do either. Like I want the audience to take advantage of this as like a major opportunity. Like, hey, if you are somebody, like they said, that's interested in real estate, you're getting started, you're trying to get this rolling, but like you need that little extra help or you need a sponsor, you need somebody that's actually invested in trying to see you succeed, contact this man. (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And let me take that one step back on behalf of your listeners, because you don't necessarily have to get into multifamily real estate to have freedom and to find your way to having more time to do things. The way that I'm helping people right now is more so, forget the real estate, it's what are the freedom principles you need to be able to exit the nine to five or to have more mobility in your life. The problem that we get ourselves into, we got life is good. Elementary school, high school, college, man, I'm meeting brothers like you. It's fun. We're going to hit the party, all that type of stuff. We get out of college and we get into this cycle. We go to work nine to five, come home, eventually get a mortgage, two car payments, get into debt, have kids. We get into this cycle. The way you break the cycle is you stop increasing your standard of living. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses effectively, right? You buy an asset or two that will pay you. You figure out what your freedom number is on a monthly basis, and you back into what you need to do to get that freedom. That's the first thing, right? Because you don't have to do 30 multifamily deals like me. You could do two, three, four, five single family deals, or I'll do you one better. You don't even have to do the deals. Just find a job that you love, make sure that it's virtual, live somewhere that has lower cost of living. I got a girlfriend of mine right now. I was coaching her out of New York City. She's an exec. She makes $200,000 a year. She has a $4,000 apartment in New York City, but she needs the job to afford the apartment. She needs the apartment to go to the job. She's stuck in this Mm -hmm. cycle. She gave it up because I explained to her, Listen, life is about happiness and you're not growing as a person. You know how you can grow? Because she loves to travel. So imagine living in Portugal, getting a remote job for $70,000 a year online, 
living on the coast and finishing work at three o'clock every day, opening your door, and there is a whole new world for you to experience on a daily basis. We have it twisted. We think it's all about money. It's not. It's like those freedom principles, right? Yep, you can do the financial freedom, time freedom, put some geographic freedom in there because when you go to different places, you're back to constantly learning again. We mm. used to constantly learn. But what we do here as adults is we just get into this cycle where we do the same shit every day, over and over and over. And then you get into this routine, man, I'm gonna have me a Miller Light on Friday because it's been a long week. You go through a 12 pack, you're recovering on Sunday and then you go back to work on Monday and do it again. Now you're miserable. Mm -hmm. Bruh. And the moment I felt it was the moment I started searching for an out. And that was real estate, but not because of the money, but because of the passive income would give me time, freedom, geographic freedom, and a bunch of other things. Now I'm in control. This whole sponsoring thing you guys were talking about. Great. Don't get overwhelmed by real estate. Fine. There's other things you can do to set yourself up to exit the nine to five or live a different lifestyle. I coach more on lifestyle design than I do on the real estate stuff. Chasing freedom instead of that money. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, for sure. Brother. Speaking of lifestyle design, you've kind of mentioned it a few times with uh, Lebanon, but you indulge in travel. Travel is your thing. Definitely. You're sitting in front of a picture of the world yeah. right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> so how I you, plot everything out. <laughs> so do you like keep track of everywhere you've been on there? Because it kind of looked like that. Uh, there are pins on there, but there's no way in heck I could put everywhere I've been in this world on that map. What I'm doing, like these little things, this is Baffin Bay up between Canada and Greenland. I want to go up there. You can do sailing up there. And you're like, why would you go to Baffin Bay? Because I don't know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. That's what I've always thought. And the way it all started, because when I was 15, I had an exchange student stay at my house. I'm a French speaker because I'm Haitian. I went to his house the next summer in Paris. And his pops, this is 1990, his pops proceeded to drive us around the country for 30 days in an old stick shift Range Rover. French girls, French castles, wine, weed. I went to Boy Scout camp, a funeral. It was just mind blowing. So when I came back to Boston at the time, I was like, so if I had that kind of experience, what else is in the world for me to experience? And it never left me. So I will pick places to go immerse myself in culture. I never travel like a tourist, make friends, reinvest in those friends by showing up again. Like 2019, I went to Finland five times. I've been to Lebanon 11 times since November of 2019. I've been there 11 times so far. I'm moving to Cyprus this summer for a month. I'm going to take- the island of Cyprus in Greece? Greece is northwest of Cyprus a little what? ways, but there's an island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean as yeah. well. I'd say Greece. I should have said the oh, Mediterranean. Oh, it's Greek. Place. It's Greek heritage. Yeah, I'm thinking about methodical stuff because it was Cyprus and what was the other damn island, man? I can't remember. But <laughs> I nerd out on all of that shit. All I, was good, just all I was just watching 300 last night. So yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. But yeah, man, it's back to those freedom principles, that geographic freedom and constant growth. The way that I get it is by meeting people and immersing myself in different places such that I don't know anything. So the real estate stuff that I'm doing in Cyprus now is because I made relationships. Just so happens I became best friends with someone who's a real estate developer on that island. He is sponsoring me. He's coaching me. And it, I was like, man, I don't know anything about international real estate. Can we do something together? Now we're business partners and we're buying acreage on the island. He's already a real estate developer, so he will develop it. But I don't want to be the American, especially the brother that shows up and just goes to restaurants, has drinks and goes home. 
Mm-hmm. I want to be the guy who's part of the community that when I get off the airplane, they're like, yo, Mo, why don't you come down? Da, 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 da. And, and thanks for giving certain housing to low income people and all those types of things. And I found a way to do it on the island of Cyprus. So I'm after it right now. That's real dope. So that's going to be your very first international project? First thing. Yeah. Won't be the last, but it's my first. Right on the water, man. It's incredible. I cannot believe. No, I can't believe it. I stopped saying I can't believe. Now I expect it. But my family owning that amount of property in the Mediterranean is outrageous. I love it. That's dope. That's dope as hell, bro. And all with you, like, just picking to expand your mind. And I, I love the fact that even with all the success that you have behind you in real estate, you still always approach things from the role of a student. And I think that's very, yeah. a very actionable thing that everybody should always like keep with them because I'm a student of the game, when you're a student of the game, technically you a master, you got here sponsoring people. You've you been doing- in the game since 2003, like that 10,000 hours been passed. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. I'm glad you brought up the 2003, my best business partners, time, consistency. I just Mm. never stopped. Mm. We, you know what I mean by we, we chase the shiny object too much. Mm. We chase that next thing and you want it to happen in two days rather than realize that this game is a 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 year game. When I hit eight figures in net worth, I was like, that's good, but I'm going to hit nine figures in net worth because I know I'm doing the real estate thing, but I'm also doing the Warren Buffett thing. I studied what Warren did, which is index funds. Mm -hmm. Just let the American economy do what it does. In general, it doubles every seven to 10 years. That corporate firm, I've always maxed out my 401k and I've put some stuff in IRA, da, da, da. And every seven to 10 years, it'll double. By the time I'm 80, 80, 85, I know that that will be around like $100 million. That's with me doing nothing. We've got to study this stuff and have patience. And like I told you, that's not my money. That's my little one's money. And that's my future grandkids, grandkids money to do something with. I already have enough. Mind you, I'm still driving a 2005 Infinity that paid off years ago because it works. I don't need another car. I need that money to go buy more assets. Like all of Travel us, Travel right? the world. Yeah. Like I got nobody to impress. No one. No one. So- but I am a student of the game. I'm watching what y'all are doing which you guys are doing with this platform, educating people on different things. You don't have to teach them everything. You just get in their minds wet about, man, there's a different way of doing things, which is why I've been watching you guys. Cause like, how can I get additional messaging out there? I don't have the passion that you guys do in terms of podcasting and things of that nature, but I do have your passion and respect your passion about getting information out. And that's why I was so excited to come on BWR. Cause I'm like, man, I got to get this stuff out to black folk. There are rules of the rich out here that we should be leveraging for the sake of our families that people know nothing about. And Mm -hmm. I think I only know about 10% of what's out there. Hey, for sure. You spoke on your two kids and I kind of want to go into that. Are you teaching them different things? How do you get that message across to them? So I got two different kids. One is 21 and I had him really, really young. And then my new one, he's eight years old. Both of them understand that entrepreneurial endeavors that I've been involved in. Noah plays Monopoly with me all the time. He understands the difference between an asset and a liability. He understands why dad doesn't buy a new car. I don't need it. There's no point in it. I will one day, but I just don't need it. My truck is running fine. Jalen, my oldest, just graduated from Leslie University in Boston, and I'm proud of him for it. It's okay for him to get a job. He just called me today for some money, and I'm like, nah, go get a job. But 
I am going to help him build a business if that's what he wants to do. I will see him as an investor and expect returns. So they have heard me speak this way and be very vicious about the fact that you're either building your own business or you're building somebody else's business. Like, which one do you want to do? You can be part of dad's business, but that's just money. You got to find what you have passion for. So I talk with them about that stuff all the time. I'm glad you asked that. But yeah, they're definitely kind of taking my mentality and expanding it for them. That's dope. That's hey, hella dope. And hey, you mentioned the rules of the rich. I know you said you may only know like 10%. <laughs> yeah, of them, I was going to I was just about yeah. to ask. Could you share a few of the rules of the rich that you done learned that our people really haven't been privy to? Because I mean, like, you know, everybody, we cite Rich Dad, Poor Dad is this this book that flips the switch for most of us. This is really the thing that inspired us, but it's more out there than just that, you know? Yeah, it is more out there. I mean, but the biggest thing is rich people, they don't buy liabilities until they have assets. They use their assets to buy liabilities. So one year, because I had a little bit of money, I bought a used, but a 1996 Mercedes S600. I think the V12 joint. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this thing was moving. But that was a silly move because it just took money out of my pocket. So I sold it four months later after figuring it out. So using assets to buy liabilities is one thing. The rich do not pay their tax rate because there's so many legal ways on the books to defer taxes. There's things called like, you guys know depreciation, but there's cost mm-hmm. segregation where you can take depreciation of a massive multifamily building up front based on my salary and what I'm making. Maybe I should be paying 40%, but maybe I'm paying 15% in taxes. Taxes is your biggest bill. People strategize on how to legally, should be legally. I do everything legally up and up with integrity. But if it's legal, people strategize how to minimize their tax liability non-recourse loans. We talked about that already. Okay. And then constantly buying assets and then constantly pushing for the next asset that will grow and put it on, put it on autopilot. And the one other thing, and I'm not going to say it's necessarily a rule of the rich, but it's certainly a rule of Maurice. I put everything on automation, everything. I want the lightest footprint possible. I don't receive mail anywhere. It comes into an automated interface on my computer and it's delivered. I look at my mail once a month, unless it's a check, but the checks get sent automatically to the bank. You can multiply your ability to get things done by leveraging automation and technology. So I try to do that for everything that I have. I don't want employees. I don't want my name on the side of a building. I don't want brick and mortar. I don't want any of that stuff. I need to be able to pick up and bounce and stay, for example, in Italy for four months if I choose to do so. Automation, I don't buy junk. That's kind of some of the rules I follow as well. That's really, really smart. Like the mail, like y'all don't even know, like y'all ain't even got to have, y'all can't even track me. That's really kind of <laughs> hard. Like, because just whenever you think about it, like you have like some people where they're the complete opposite. Like, you know, I'm gonna have it all out there. So it's yeah. kind of cool that that's how you're doing it though. Cause you can tailor it towards your life. Now you can take these 11 trips to Lebanon or you can yeah. take these five trips to Finland or you can yeah. go move to Cyprus for that one month like you're talking about. Like, was it a month or a year? I'm going to go for a month, but my life is going to be 50-50 U.S. and Mediterranean going forward. So even like with the international travel, like whenever you talked about the Paris thing, I think that's something else that we as black people, we don't get to experience. But even just like Americans really and truly, we talked about this with another one of our guests before. He was a very well-traveled internationally. 
just the amount of how much we don't really understand how other cultures operate and how yeah. other cultures actually do certain things, especially being American, you know, we get taught patriotism and, you know, America is the greatest country. 100%. To, yeah. But at the same time, we don't get to experience some of these other cultures and really experience what the world has to offer. Even like what you're talking about, like just by going to a beach in another country, that view is totally different from the beach in Florida. 100%. 100%. And actually it makes me a better human because I have empathy. Mm. It means I can deal. I speak four languages. I also understand people's perspective. So let's say when I was working and spending time in Turkey, when I see Turkish people here in the States or run into them on patrol, if I was doing police stuff or from a business perspective, just saying Nasasin or Meraba, which is, how are you? Hello. It shows a level of respect for who they are and their culture and their family. Mm. Many of them invested in my deals now. People are good, man. People are good. And there's so much to see in this world. But again, we get stuck on what we're told to do. And like, yo, why are you trying to go to this other country? That seems silly. Why do you want to do those things? And well, that's you, brother. I stopped caring what people thought a long time ago. You're missing out on a lot of life by just limiting yourself to your state or just to your country. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, if y'all can, I definitely, definitely say y'all get out. Go experience <laughs> this world and yeah, go yeah. do something. Man, I'm because, trying to go see, like, I'm trying really, to get on the really, plane, truly, man. though, like, I think that's something that opened up my mind. Like, and I thank God that I was put into this position. Like, my parents, they didn't have it, but I had an aunt and an uncle and a grandmother. They would travel, so they would take me with them. So yeah. I got to see the Caribbean at a young age in the eighth grade. Like, I got to see different parts of the U.S. And it helped with the way that you do think. Because like you said, you know, it's so much bigger than just me coming from Louisiana, gumbo and etouffee and people doing all of this type of stuff. I now understand like, oh, this is how people do this in Nassau. Like, this is what a Junkanoo Indian is. Like, just understanding different things and different stuff about cultures. Like, it definitely does make you a better person. And I think about like the Malcolm X book, like we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. Like whenever he went travel and he went stay in uh the Hodge. The Hodge, yes. He went go yeah, stay yeah. and he did yeah. the Hodge and like he actually slept with them and he done the rituals and everything. And he was like, you know, I was so hell bent on just the black people focusing on our community. But once I got to understand those people and once I really got to figure out, oh, what black people are facing in America, it's not a civil right thing. This is a human right human thing. Rights. Like this yep. is something that all humans should yep. be entitled to. This yep. is not civil rights. This is human rights. And you should approach this on a global scale. And what you're saying, brother, I'll encapsulate it in a phrase for your listeners. It's three words. The beginner's mindset. We have lost grade school, high school, college. We have the beginner's mindset. We don't know anything. So we're seeking knowledge. We lose it. We lose it. We act in there. I mean, in your 20s, with respect, y'all don't know anything. Like, I feel like I'm just starting to understand the world now at 45, even though I got the energy of a 25 year old. I bet you that but I've just figured some certain things out. The thing that I did right and I give myself credit is I kept the beginner's mindset of like, what else is there to know? Who else is there to meet? People can have that beginner's mindset, be humble and reach out to people who can help them 
it's a game changer. So just a thought for you. I'm sorry, I had to go on the little rant about being. <laughs> hey, no, man, we, no, that's very real though. Because yeah. like, I even appreciated what you said earlier as far as opening people's mindsets, especially from our community about being able yeah. to live in other countries. And yeah. you know, like that lady that you spoke to, I can really think of like a couple of my like work associates who would benefit from that conversation of like, okay, yeah, you make 200K, this apartment, this house, whatever is bleeding you dry. Would yeah. you not be happier somewhere else? Yeah. You know, like making less, but potentially like being in a happier situation. Like, but yeah. that type of experience, those type of conversations, even with us just being from very much so like an American standpoint, we don't even understand the concept of, wait, what do you mean I can work here, live somewhere else? Or like I can have the living expenses of a different country that's cheaper and then still be working somewhere else, making less, but still keeping more. Like those are concepts that a lot of people just aren't familiar with. Man, when I grew up, it was all about symbols of wealth. Mm -hmm. Symbols. I got to have a Mercedes, the Nike sneakers, the, the track suit the chains, I did all that. I don't want symbols of wealth, I want wealth, but wealth comes in different forms. Yes, money, I got that. But wealth comes in the ability to do what you want when you want. The ability to do what you want when you want comes from having enough income to cover your basic needs. Once that's covered, you're golden. Or find a job, just like you were saying, my man, something that makes you happy, live in a mobile mindset, go somewhere where you can learn something. It don't have to be Portugal. It could be coastal Alabama. You know how beautiful it is down there and the cost of living compared to New York that you could have a beachfront home for 200 grand, yet we can barely get an efficiency apartment for $4,000 in New York City. It's all a choice. But, you know, society, what the commercials, keeping up with the Joneses, everybody's mm-hmm. doing that stuff. I just learned not to do it. But I do think there's a large movement, you guys included, helping people understand that there's different ways to achieve wealth in many ways, money and time and freedom and all those types of things. So hopefully people are starting to catch on. And just like, who cares if your neighbor has a Mercedes? Who cares? That's for you. Nothing. Zero. Exactly. I don't know. That's my soapbox. You got me on a soapbox. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> no, it is what it is. That's some real shit, though, them five freedoms, man. I love that platform that you you say you got with that, the five freedoms. I, I think that's going to have to be something we are incorporating the title of this episode because our podcast is very focused on wealth building, but the idea of freedom being the actual purpose is really, truly the goal of this all. Isn't that the goal? People just go after it without realizing what the actual purpose of getting on the hustle is in the first place. And the other thing is while you're doing the hustle, if you are just not living at all, you're wasting your life away, man. Cause the mm-hmm. only true resource is time. Once it's gone, it's gone. Like this is the way I want to spend my Saturday doing something like this with people like you who are trying to empower people. I don't need to be at the bar with other people right now. That's a waste because this resource of time is all we got. This is all we got. So yeah, man, things can be different. And I know you guys are all on wealth, but wealth is so we can go live life the way we want to live life. And that's kind of what I've done over the last 20, 25 years. Message. Fresh. Had to hit him like that. Reimagining the wealth. Hell yeah. 100%. I kind of wanted to get in the way that you travel. You know, you said you don't travel like a tourist. So how do you travel like a native? Like, how do you figure out what's the best places to travel? Like, this is where I'm going to stay at. This is like the local hubs and all of these good things. I mean, for a long time, it wasn't that I would figure out where to travel. It's that I would just travel. Land in a particular area, beginner's mindset, 
I never researched the area. I would just pop down in a country and figure it out when I got there. I have a lot of empathy and I have a lot of humility. That means I don't know shit about Turkey when I got there. Be humble. Ask people about who they are. Why is Mustafa Kemal or Ataturk, the father of Turkey, why is his effigy everywhere in Izmir, Turkey, one of my favorite cities in the world? Why? Sit down, have a beer with someone, talk about it, make a friend. My definition of success for travel is if the next time I come there, someone is willing to pick me up at the airport. Do I know the local taxi driver? Do I know the coffee shop owner? Reinvest in that particular space. Go back multiple times. Sit down at the same restaurant and tell the restaurant owner, every time I come here, I'm going to stop in and say hello to you. That's the type of thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I go see historical things and what have you from time to time. But you can't really truly get the essence of people in one trip in a three-day window. To your point, I do multiple trips. I do what's called, like, I got it from the Tim Ferriss and the four-hour work week. Uh Instead of taking a huge four-week, three-week, one-time vacation, I don't do that. I will take immersive, intermittent, they're not vacations, but immersive, intermittent trips. Just like last week when I was in Lebanon for a week. I don't need to wait for a two-week thing. I go constantly. But my point is, when I go, I invest time in people and learn about them, stay in touch with them, invest in who they are. And then I've just kind of made friends all over the world doing that. To the extent that people can come visit here in the U.S., I shut down everything, use all my social resources in D.C. because of all the restaurants and clubs and all that type of stuff. Call my boy Dave, who owns everything in D.C. and like, Dave, I'm outside your club. It's 2.30. Can you open the line for me? Yep. Who do you have with you? Oh, friend of mine's here from Paris. Boom. Go. Like, that's what I mean by truly connecting with people, making relationships. Because then when you're showing up, you're not going to the monument. You're going to the dinner party. You're going to someone's birthday. You're going to a soccer game down the street at a high school. You're learning about businesses and how to start them in that particular country and what those folks are doing to get on the grind like we do here. That's the spice of life, man. Once I kind of figured that out, I just kept pressing repeat on it. And my network is broad as a result. And I probably spend maybe four or five hours a week just on maintaining networks overseas. And I was just about to ask you that. I was just about to say, man, how much time do you spend talking? A lot. I'm glad that you. WhatsApp is a great tool for that. But I definitely spend a lot of time with people. But there's a social capital. Like a lot of people don't understand how to invest in the social capital. Yeah. Spot on, brother. You got it. It is social capital. Look, the reason I'm going to live in Cyprus this summer, rent free, actually, is because I invested time in a relationship with someone there. He's from there. I'm cool with his family. I love them to death. They're amazing people and they've made my life better. I've been there a couple of times now, but I have an immediate network of friends and not only social friends, business friends, governmental friends, colleagues that I can now count on who know that I'm a man of integrity and I'm coming there for the right reasons. I'm not an asshole and all those types of things. That's just because I invested time in a relationship with somebody. I do it here in the States, obviously, but I try to do it across the world as well. And then things for fun too, like I don't know anything about Greenland, so I'm trying to get me and my eight-year-old to go to Greenland now, and we'll see if we can get that done. I, I don't know, man. I just like exploring. We got this one life. Why are we yeah. sitting in one place talking about the same thing over and over and over again? That's like, get out thing. there, explore, do something. It's a big-ass world. Yeah. Thanks. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, hey. Yeah. I got to take me an international trip now. Yeah, man. It's coming soon. 2022 for me. Tell me y'all got passports. I do not have a passport. I'm not, not, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not let, let, me, let me tell you something. 
Never been talking to outside of Kelly. I know we some country ass niggas. <laughs> I'm just keep it real. <laughs> I'm talking about real rural. <laughs> I'm talking about I was at the barbershop today and a random lady Yo. came in and didn't know what Airbnb was. Real oh, rural. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. She tripping. Uh, yeah, no. But Ain't nothing in Ruston. <laughs> Ain't nothing in Opelousas. Y'all got Airbnbs down there. Man, no. they got Airbnbs in the op. Man, y'all sleep, man. Yeah, man. Lafayette, not Opelousas. No, no, no. Lafayette, Opelousas. I would not want to stay in the Airbnb in Opelousas. I ain't going to lie to you, sir. But, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it all the way funky with you. <laughs> Hilarious. You get a passport, then come to Cyprus or wherever I am, you have a network of friends. You ain't got to travel like a tourist. Just get a passport. Man, that's a bet. It's real. That's a bet. One of my places I want to go is Thailand for sure. Like I gotta oh, go experience Thailand. One hundred percent. I have not been there. I'm headed to Tahiti this summer or late. No, this fall. I'm headed to Tahiti the first time, and I finally did um Bali and all that. I heard Bali is beautiful. Ooh, yes, beautiful, amazing. Not somewhere I'd want to live, but I'm glad I experienced it at this point. Mm. My heart sits in the Mediterranean, so. You read anything about me, it'll always say he's based in DC and the Mediterranean. That's where I belong. That's dumb. Why why you say that would never be a place you want to live? Anything it just doesn't resonate with me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. No, this is fantastic. But you gotta go somewhere where when you land, you're like, oh connected. Yeah, like I'm tapped yeah. in. Yeah, 100 percent And for me, that's the Mediterranean, Lebanon, Cyprus, Turkey, Greece. I gotta man, it, up. it just makes the brother happy. I gotta go hit it up. Yeah, yeah. So see. Relationships. Y'all got my number. Y'all got my email. As soon as you make that happen, Mo, where you at? Well, I'm here. I'm about to apply for my damn passport. Hey, real talk. (laughs) (laughs) I got you, man. I got you. So, so Mo, man, we gonna pivot to the last segment of the show. This has been a great time. Definitely looking forward to. Yeah, keeping this relationship going, my brother. Please, 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 and anything you guys do, whenever we get back to post COVID, all that stuff. Whenever you guys have meetings or conferences and all, like any way I can put myself up there as an example for people to do something different, I will fly from the other side of the world to help you guys out. Hey, hey we appreciate for that for real, my brother. Yeah. And if there's anything we can help you out with, like even you said, spreading your message or anything like that, same yeah. here, my brother. 100%. Last segment, what's on your timeline? So what's something that you've seen on social media, Anyway, really, like I know yeah, you're a world you, traveler. Yeah, you, 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 you could have been in the airport or something. <laughs> Anything that you've seen that stood out to you, you just want to speak on, you know? Yours just go, what's in your world? <laughs> <laughs> Anything I've seen that I want to speak out on. Well, listen, there are people doing exactly what all of us are doing, trying to figure it out and hopefully trying to shift towards, forget about the money, man. The real ROI is being happy and happiness. And I have recognized that the more money I have, the less I'm worried about it. And that seems like an interesting thing to say, but no, because now when I travel and talk to people who are very wealthy, like let's say my buddy Maher, who owns that winery in Northern Lebanon, Maher is not interested in making his business into a massive conglomerate. He has created the ultimate lifestyle business that he makes a significant amount of revenue from helps people be happy, but refuses to make it corporate, refuses because Mm. he's happy. The reason I'm not putting my name on the side of a building and having 80 employees, which I think I could do if I really put my mind to it, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. So the thing that I have seen is people, especially when you get in your forties, 
20s and 30s is absolutely the time to be grinding as hard as you possibly can. But you start to realize where you get where I am, that happiness is more important. Don't get me wrong. Money helps happiness. Let me make that very clear. But my happiness is way more important. And that's what I've seen around the world. Like people think the same. So the best thing that you can do, the people that I talk to for advice are in their 50s and 60s. They are where I'm headed. Mm. Y'all should be talking to people who are in, in their late 30s and mid 40s because they have done what you're trying to do. And they will probably tell you, brother, don't waste your time. Happiness, happiness. Use what you're doing to get your happiness. That's what I've seen across the world. Mm. Look at you, your fat finger. <laughs> they both of them. They need a message and a clap. <laughs> How about that? There you go. Yes, but now well, that was a great message. Yes, sir. So before we get done with this, can you please yeah. let the people know where can they follow you? Tap yeah. in if there's a website, any type of way that they can. Yeah, get, if they want to get involved yeah. with the Quattro way. I know we spoke about the sponsorships. Maybe we could tell them how they could get involved and all that, everything. Yeah. Let's talk about the business stuff first because the life stuff is more important. I'll leave the life stuff to the end. From a business perspective, it's Quattro Capital, Q-U-A-T-T-R-O, Quattro Capital. The website is the Quattro Way, W-A-Y.com. The Quattro Way is, it just means we're doing it different, right? We orient ourselves and buy properties so we can help tenants and help investors and we'll make money along the way. So it's the Way.com. You can catch me there. I'm on LinkedIn, Maurice Philogene, just my name. Lots of business-oriented posting and lifestyle stuff. Instagram is where I'm definitely talking about all the freedom principles. And anyone who reaches out to me on those platforms, I always respond no matter what. And then from a coaching perspective, there's mauricephilogene.com. It will be up and live uh, probably in the next two weeks or so. But that's about helping people realize their true potential in terms of getting out of the nine to five if they want, orienting themselves it's all about orienting towards those freedom principles. So it's those four places, the quattroway.com, Instagram, Maurice Philogene, LinkedIn, Maurice Philogene, Facebook, Maurice Philogene, and mauricephilogene.com. Hey, y'all tap in. Y'all definitely tap in. Great brother doing great things. I love the energy king. Appreciate you for coming on, spending your Saturday with us, sharing this amazing knowledge, your amazing experiences. Thank you, And again, I so respect y'all. Thank you for giving people or for creating a platform that people can come to. All you got to do is give people tip of the spear, but then it's on them to take action. There's no progress with passivity. You're either going to take action or you're not going to take it. I hope people hear that. But what you guys are doing to get information out there, I respect it more than y'all know, especially how young you guys are doing this stuff, man. You guys are well on your way. Hey, appreciate, appreciate it, it. Brother yeah, we're gonna keep on working towards them freedom. Right on. Right. Yeah, yeah, right on. <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, before we wrap this up, we'll get into some house cleaning. Once again, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners who come in week in and week out, tapping in with us. We want to say thank you, appreciated family. Thank you for being supporters. Thank you for being receptive to this information, and thank you for making this show so big as it is. Every time we go out somewhere, there's somebody that we run into. So I definitely want to say thank y'all. Like, we appreciate it. And if y'all like this, please feel free to rate, comment, subscribe, share. Let y'all family know so you can really just open up their mind. We want to make sure that we just touching anybody that we can who can be receptive to this information. Char guy, brothers. I just want to leave everybody with the piece that my brother Maurice just said. Information is great. Action is 10 Mm. times better. Y'all take this information and put it into action and you can actually change your life.
that's the biggest thing. Oh, and, and one of the best ways you can do that is with, uh, with us. Yeah, BWR Academy. We just launched BWR mm-hmm. Academy. It's our online community where we're actually holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. We're doing weekly budgeting calls. We're going to be doing an active savings challenge together. We have a goal of helping a thousand families save a thousand dollars to reach a goal of one million dollars collectively. So we can start saving to invest, either have an emergency fund, save to invest or start paying off some debt. We want to make sure that we're getting our people into a good position. And the School of Personal Finance is going to be going over a lot of the things that Maurice was talking about, making sure that we have all of our stuff That's together financial foundation. Yes, before we go out and start doing all of these other things. So if this is some type of ecosystem environment you would like to be involved with, definitely sign up for BWR Academy. You can click the link in the show notes. Jared, Kelly? I just want to tell, thank you everybody for listening all the way through and keep supporting us. Yes, sir. I just want to say thank you and a big shout out to Maurice, man. You could have literally been anywhere in the world, uh, (laughs) but he was with us here today. (laughs) So like, we really appreciate that. So y'all definitely, you know, keep tapping in with us. You know, everybody check everything out too. The Academy about to be really dope, but I just wanted to tell that man, thank you. <laughs> oh, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, please. Yeah. Uh, subscribe. These brothers pay that like tag. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Is there... On that note. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.